friends, this is Amy and Carrie, and we are back with The Great Connect. Today, we are very excited to introduce to you Sabrina Victoria as our guest. We are so excited to jump into this conversation with a little bit about Sabrina. She's an entrepreneur at heart, which obviously resonates deeply with us. Her company, Human Better 365, is the catalyst behind her community, her nation. She focuses on building confidence, finding your voice, and stepping into the real you. Sabrina works closely with solopreneurs who are striving to hit six-figure years in order to help them build out the structure that they need to streamline their time and take their income to the next level. For over a decade, she has strived to give people the tools they need to rise and human better. She is a speaker, author, host of her talk show, founder of Sober Society, and has built and co-built multiple six- and seven-figure businesses in her lifetime. She now dedicates her life to helping others rise mentally, emotionally, financially, and physically in order to find real wealth in their lives. Thank you, Sabrina. We're excited to jump in with you today. Yes, girl. You're amazing. When I first met you, Sabrina, I was like, you are mega. Like, I was like, oh my gosh, you do so much. And it's just incredible. And that reminds me during your bio, I was like, oh my gosh. So you're definitely someone I'm like, with the, when I think about the Great Connect, you're someone that comes to the forefront because you literally breathe mm. bringing people together all day, every day. Mm. And it's so gorgeous. Thank you. Thank you. I love it. Yes. Tell us a little bit more. So that's the bio, right? But tell us who is Sabrina and what brings you to where you are today? Well, a lot of it starts from my story, which I would love to tell. Amy knows a, a little bit about me. So I was raised as a Jehovah's Witness. I'm assuming both of you know that's a religion, a very strict religion. Um, I wound up getting pregnant at the age of 20 with no husband, emphasis on the no husband part. And because of that, I was cast out into the world with no family and no community. I was just like dropped like a hot potato. And I led the stereotypical single mom, just broke ass life of no money, digging in my couch cushions for 25 cents, trying to put gas in my car, eviction notices at my apartment door every other month, having to decide on whether or not I'm going to walk to the grocery store or drive to the grocery store because I couldn't afford gas and food. And the suicidal thoughts postpartum, I mean, wanting to leave my baby at the fire station, wanting to throw him out a window, like all the crazy stuff that happens during postpartum but then not knowing about postpartum. Yeah. So then just literally feeling like a psycho mother who just like doesn't know how to love her child. And it was just a mess. And I did that for about two years. I have no idea how I did it. And then I met a man and I thought that man was given to me by God. I ignored all the red flags. And within a very short amount of time, he had convinced me to leave my house and move in with him because I couldn't afford it anyways for my apartment. And then soon after that, he convinced me to quit my job and start working for him because my job sucked anyways, build an empire together. And within a very short amount of time, once he started relinquishing control of basically my entire life, very slowly and methodically, I turn around eight years later, mental, emotional, sexual, financial abuse is at times 10. And I have no voice. I have no confidence. I am just a mesh of a workhorse working 14 to 16 hours a day. He's paying me chore money. I used to call it of $200 a week. So I'm still broke. I still have no money. We had acquired at that point when I met him, he, we were living in a little tiny townhouse. He was making about a hundred grand. I thought I had met a millionaire by the time I, you know, this eight year time period or so we're making over a million. We have five houses paid in full, 12 cars paid in full, zero debt. 
nothing is in my name, not even the water bill. And I have uh, no money. I literally have zero money in my account. So I'm having a total breakdown one day in the bathroom, literally a mental breakdown, the kind where you're crying and screaming at the same time, because just crying isn't enough to like let all the emotion out. And I was on the floor, just a mess. And I took out my phone. I'll never forget. I took out my phone out of my back pocket and I opened up Google and I asked Google a question and I asked Google, why is my boyfriend bullying me? I didn't know any other vernacular other than the word bully. And I just needed answers. And the entire world of narcissism, abuse, codependency, empathy, no financial fortitude, like just hit me right in the face, no confidence, no self-esteem. And I was like, oh my gosh, I know so much stuff about business, money, marketing, door to door, running teams. And I know nothing about relationships, a healthy relationship, communication, nothing. And this whole concept of you can know a lot of stuff and still not know all the things just hit me. And instead of going into the spiral of there's so much wrong with him and what's wrong with him and what's wrong with our relationship, I took on all of it. And I said, what can I do? Where am I going wrong? Where am I fucked up? And I dove headfirst into personal development. Soon after that, I opened up a secret bank account. I started three online secret businesses. And over the course of four years, I collected 50 grand, which does not seem like a lot of money, but I felt like a millionaire. And I literally just ran away one day. I took my son, our clothes, and my bicycle. That's all I took. I left everything else behind. I started all over again with a mattress on the floor. And here I am today. Everything that I do is based on teaching humans something that they did not previously know in order to get them to where they're supposed to be because we all have blind spots. Absolutely. Oh, that's so beautiful. How long ago was this for you now? Ooh, I mean, I've been in the coaching arena for over a decade. So I'm going to say about a decade. Yeah. Wow. Was there, you say, you know, I'm helping everybody with one thing that gets them like closer to who they're supposed to be. Was there a thing in your personal growth journey that clicked and became that cascade of things for you? Yeah. I mean, it was happening continuously throughout my life, just in general, not even just that relationship, but the majority of my life, even when I was in that religion where there was just this gut feeling. I talk about this gut feeling all the time of I'm not supposed to be here. This is not my life. I'm supposed to be somewhere different. And I had to go through a lot of things And then every single time I would check in with myself and I'd look around and I'd be like, this is not it. This is not where I'm supposed to be. And there's been so many pivots. There's been so many ups and downs and changing of the mind and refocusing and really honing in on or checking in with where, if I don't want to be, if I'm not supposed to be here, then where am I supposed to be? And then making a cognizant action towards whatever that pivot is. Um, And I think that's one of the things that's actually really helped me in my life, even though it's also gotten me into a lot of trouble. I think because for some reason, I don't know why, but for some reason, I don't have issues with pivoting. Like I'm totally fine with just being like, I'm not fucking doing that anymore. I'm now doing this. 
even though sometimes those things were not good things, like, like looking at it in the duration of the story. Um, but now looking back, I can now see like it actually helped me to get to where I, I am now. But yeah, I think a lot of it was just the gut. The, I always knew there's, there's another place. There's another pivot. And I'm sure there'll be again. I'm sure there will be bigger and better and more expanding about where I'm going. Sabrina, it seems like at every turn up until a decade ago, community was not like the human humans were kind of failing you or human, the human humanity around you didn't really exist, whether it be from uh, the community you grew up in and cast you aside with this man. So did you use all that as fuel to become such a great human connector? Or did you, was it like, did you believe in humanity through all those hard times? And you're just like, I, I just haven't found my squad yet. Or like, what was that about? Cause like, I think I'm not sure I would have been so strong. I've been like, I've been like, fuck people. I'm out. Yeah. And every day, one of the parts of my story that I leave out, you know, yeah, when you start, when you have a story, you know, we all have these stories and the older we get, the longer the story is. And you have to like condense the story because no one wants to hear like the whole fucking story. Um, But part of my story is sobriety. I got sober when my son was very young and for no other reason other than just I was being a shitty mom. My abuser was sexually coercing me when I would be blackout drunk. Sometimes I'd wake up bloody and bruised and he'd say that I asked for it or that I wanted it. And I needed to just make a decision. But when I got sober, you know, six months, a year in, there was just this thing where I'm like, I'm just going to stay sober. I mean, I don't know what that's going to look like, but I'm going to stay sober. And I had to do that. I chose to do that throughout this whole journey of ups and downs. And there was so many times where I was like, fuck this. I'm just going to go do drugs. I've never done drugs. I've never tried drugs. No offense to anyone who has, but there was times where I was just like, fuck all this bullshit. I'm just going to get high. I don't even know what that means. Or I just want to, I just want to get wasted and just forget about all my problems. That is one of the things that I love about my story is the like resilience and the persistence. So yes, all the thoughts, yes, all of the woe is me, right? There was always thoughts of like, how am I supposed to describe how pitiful my life is and how dark of a place I was if I can't say that I got wasted, right? If you can say like, I was in such a dark place that I just got wasted. I was just out on the side of the road and I just was picked up by the police. I mean, that sounds like, holy shit, Sabrina, like you fucking were in a dark spot, these are the things that like would come to me. Like, how do I prove that this is as hard as I'm saying it is? There has to be like a story connected to it. And there was just something inside of me where I was like, I'm bigger and I'm better. I'm bigger and I'm better. I'm bigger than I'm and better than that. No offense to anybody who has done that, right? We all have our own journey. But yeah, so many thousands of thoughts of wanting to give up wanting to fall into the story, wanting to just allow the wind or the ocean to take me wherever. And I fell into that sometimes lulls for weeks, months, years, um, and then picking myself back up again. And even during that duration where I was saying the four years, I mean, there were so many times within those four years, there was, um, you know, I talk about how I made $50,000 and then I just escaped. Like, it was just like, Whoa! And it's not that my money story to collect that money was fucking hard as hell. That when I collected my first six grand, I was so excited. I couldn't even believe it. My boyfriend at the time was like, 
you know, you'll never amount to anything. You don't know anything. You don't know any business. You've never went to college. You're from the ghetto. You can never do anything on your own. The only reason you have what you have in the house that you have in the car you have is because of me. And I provided the foundation for you. And when I made six grand all by myself with no help, I wanted to show him. I wanted to be like, I am smart and I can do things. And look at what I've done. I wanted to low key brag. And one day I had my bank account open on my computer and he's coming up behind me and I have six grand, $632, $6,322. And he comes up behind me and I, in my head, I'm like, I better close this computer because if he sees this, I'm going to get in big trouble. But my ego got in the way. I was all like ego. And I wanted to prove to him that I'm capable of doing big girl things, even though he continues to tell me that I'm dumb and I'm stupid and I don't know anything. And I closed it, but I closed it too late because my ego was in charge for too long. And he saw the money and he took my computer. He threw it. He told me I was ungrateful and unloyal and how dare I, and how could I have saved money and why am I not paying the bills? And this whole thought process of he's not trying to keep me poor. He just doesn't know better. He just wants to take care of me. All of a sudden, my anger and my realization, my eyes opened up even bigger of like, holy shit, I'm not making this up. He really does want to keep me poor. He really does want me to have no money. And he took my little tiny allowance of $200 a week. He took it away for six months. And he said, if you have money, then you're not making any money. So I'm still working 14 to 16 hours a day for him. Now I'm making no money. That $6,000 that I saved, I'm now having to use while I'm, I mean, I was back down to nothing basically. Then I saved again. I saved again, another 13, $15,000. I call up my son's father. I'm like, Hey, son's father. We were on good speaking terms. I thought um, I'm leaving. I have some money saved. I'm out. I'm just letting you know, I'm super scared. I haven't been on my own. It's been a really long time. My boyfriend sucks ass. I'm leaving. He's like, oh yes, girl power. I got you. I'll help babysit if you need. He's still not paying me child support, by the way. He's just like helping me. So a week later, he's like, let me take my son on a a camping trip. I was like, yeah, totally. Take him on a camping trip. That'd be great. A week before school starts. And long story short, he never gave him back. You stole him, literally stole him, just took him. The day you were supposed to take him back, he writes me this long ass email saying, thank you so much for watching Elijah for blah, blah, blah. I'll take it from here. I have no idea where he lives. He moved in with his girlfriend. It just disappeared. I had to get a lawyer. I had to get police. This whole thing, long story short, $18,000 in lawyer fees. I had 15. So now $3,000 in debt. The last payment I paid my lawyer was with a credit card because I had no money, none. He took everything. So I'm sitting in my car with this piece of paper, this like child support, 18 page child support, legality bullshit, $1,000 a page. And I'm literally doing what you see in the movies where you're crying on the steering wheel, just hysterical hysterically crying about I'm doing all the things I'm doing all the things. Les Brown says, show up. Tony Robbins says, show up. Oprah Winfrey says, show up, continue to show up. And I'm continuing to show up every fucking day. Positive, working hard, doing what they're telling me to do times 10 every single day. And I have nothing again. I have nothing again. 
And there was a point where I'm sitting down and I'm like, I have to make a decision. Am I going to fucking do this again? Like, am I going to try again? Or am I just going to give up and just fall into whatever this relationship is? Because women live with shitty husbands. Women do that all over the world. They live with shitty husbands. At least my shitty husband would have money. So at least that would be helpful. And I sat there crying my eyes out in my lawyer's parking lot. There was a tree right here. I will never forget it. And I'm just like, the universe hates me. God hates me. I'm being punished. I am meant to be in this mentally and emotionally and sexually traumatic atmosphere for the rest of my life because I'm a bad person, because I'm a bad mother, because I'm not a Christian. And this is my punishment. And I made a decision that day. And I said, I don't care how fucking long it takes. I will continue to try to get out of this shitty ass situation until the day I die. Because at least if I try, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. And I did it one more time. Now with the help of child support, and I collected fifty or $31,000 in one year between my businesses and my child support. And I fucking left. I didn't tell one person. <laughs> I just left. And here we are today. And if I wouldn't have done it that one more time, if I would have just given up, and this is what people do. This is what people do. They try and then they try. And then they're like, this is too hard. Because it is hard when you're making huge pivots like that. It's hard as fuck. But I did it again because I knew in my gut, this is not where I'm supposed to be. I am not supposed to be here. And I'm so grateful. Wow. That is so powerful in so many different ways. Thank you for allowing me the space to tell that because I don't always tell that story. Wow. I feel so honored to be witness to that story and to feel the intensity and the power with which you share that is overwhelmingly beautiful. Uh, It's really impactful and it, like I can feel it in every fiber of my being. So thank you. Thank you so much for that. Um, I can see certainly the fire that burns inside of you Mm -hmm. that just is never ending. Right. And many things that have tried to kind of stamp it out of you and yet you burn brighter than that and that's really beautiful to witness I would love to hear how you've taken that fire and used it to to bring more fire into the world for other people to help them see their own fire and how to feel confident in burning bright right because I think that's that's what a little bit of what I hear is so often we start to question like maybe I'm not supposed to burn this bright. Maybe, you know, and there's so many things societally as well as individually that cause us to repress those things. I'd love to hear how that transformed for you. Yeah, I am. So I'd love to speak on the subject of inner child work. I don't know how often, but I am a, a firm believer and preacher of inner child work. And I think it's just like anything, right? It's like people who believe in a certain God or a certain religion or a certain spirituality or universe. There's certain things that we believe and it resonates well with us and it works for us. And that's the drive that gets us moving. And I think everyone has a different thing. 
And for me, it is my inner children. So years ago, maybe seven or eight years ago, I fell upon this concept, actually through podcasting, of inner child work. And after doing research, right, I heard about it and I dove in deep. Taking on this concept that I 100% believe in of we are every year that we have ever been. So I believe inside me, I have a one-year-old Sabrina and a three-year-old and a seven-year-old and a 17-year-old and a 29-year-old and a 32-year-old and a 38-year-old Sabrina inside me. And each one of them has lived for one year. And they did the things for that year that they had to do in order to get hand it off, hand the baton off to the new Sabrina. And there are Sabrinas in my community, right? When I think of my inner, some people say inner child, I say inner children. So when I think of my inner children, I think of them as an actual community around me. They are here with me now and they're hanging out and they're listening and they're relaxing now because they already did their time and they're now waiting for me to step up. So there are Sabrina's in my lifetime who had a really shitty hand, a really shitty hand, like really bad things happened to them and they wanted to give up. They wanted to die. They wanted to get plastered drunk. They wanted to drive their car off a bridge. They wanted to swallow a bunch of pills. They wanted to throw their baby in the garbage. And they didn't. And the reason they didn't is because they knew. They knew that they just had to get me to this point. And if they could just keep that secret and just like, I know, I know that there's better. I know that there's better. I know that she's going to get this. I know that she's going to be somebody. I just have to do this for one year. And now looking back, I'm so grateful for every single one of them. I care so deeply for every single one of them. And I have now taken it on as not only a duty and an obligation for the community that I am creating, but a duty and an obligation to every single one of the Sabrinas. Mm. Every single one of them deserves what I'm creating. Every single one of them deserves to have their story told. Every single one of them deserves to be on stage and to share a portion of what they went through and what they endured to get us to where we are now. And to not give them their platform is not doing them justice for all that they did. Mentally, emotionally, physically, the burden that they had to carry, it's not fair. So I now, you know, the drive that people say, or Sabrina, you're just working so hard. Sabrina, make sure you relax. Sabrina, make sure that you get some self-care. Yes, yes. And I got fucking shit to do, right? The life that I have now is nothing nothing mentally, emotionally, sexually, and financially comparatively to what my other Sabrina's have endured. So I have, I have to like work late every now and then, if I have to work on a weekend every now and then, 
It's like, fuck you. Fuck you. You can do that. You can do that in order to withhold the, the, what they are expecting of you today for what they went through sleeping for two to three hours, getting raped consistently, literally looking at your account and having negative $17 when rent car and babysitting fees are due the anxiety that that Sabrina had to endure. That's fucking stressful. That's stressful. And to go back to that Sabrina and be like, no big deal. Just relax. Horrible. So the fire that I have now is for that. I mean, there's no stopping me. I don't care what anybody says to me. When somebody tells me to calm down, I smile and I say, girl, of course. But inside, I'm like, we got fucking shit to do. And this isn't just my story. This isn't just my story. This is Amy's story. This is Carrie's story. The, the vision that I have for us isn't about me. It's about us. We all have a story. We all deserve a platform to speak our words and our journey. And not for us, but for all of those out there who are sitting in darkness, who don't know what they don't know. The only reason that I endured what I endured for as long is because I didn't know there was this whole section that I was blind to. And you both have a story like that too. We were like, holy shit, one day you didn't know. And then one day you motherfucking knew. And there are women right now that are sitting in the same exact story or darkness that you have already gone through. And the only way that they can get out quicker is if they hear us, which is why podcasting is so extremely necessary. Events, conferences, stages, to be able to showcase our knowings so that other women can pivot quicker, so that we can move the lineage of female culture faster than without it. Speaking right to my heart for sure. Yeah. It's yes, 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 yes. And yes, yes to all the things, girl. Yes, 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 please. Yes, yes. Get it. The thing that the thing that I love most, Sabrina, about and I love that you reinforce because so many people will I hear it every day, give you credit for bringing us all together. I do hear what you're saying that it's not about you. However, you are this, I called you an epicenter. You're speaking your words and finding similar women like me. So I was brought to you by Tina and Carrie, you might not know this, but Sabrina works, her whole philosophy is around give to get. So when you join something that Sabrina has put together, the human connection that Sabrina creates, it's not just about bringing together people in a space. It's okay, you're here now, give to get. So for instance, on this networking that we're going to be on at two o'clock today, it's, you know, when we get into a breakout room, it's what do you do? Who are you? What is your soul like? Okay, how can I tap into my network to bring someone to you? So it's this entire beautiful world of reciprocity and making sure that we're driving everything together forward. 
Sabrina has in her nation, almost 2000 women that have said, yes, like let's move the needle together. Let's bring the women of the world together and drive this feminine energy so that we can also support the masculine energy. It's this huge human humanity, like this beautiful human movement back toward inward. And I love what you say about children, because uh, when I think about ever being some of the biggest work I've done this year is the way that I talk to myself and I envision, I talk to her and that's who, and I'm showing a picture of, of me as a baby. This is who I talk to. And there's so many, when current day Amy is having a rough time, I kind of gather all the Amy's kind of like you do Sabrina. And I gather them all and they kind of just hold space for me and be like, Okay, we're in this together. We have 41 of us, you know, and it's it's yes. so gorgeous. Yes. And we just all hold space. And some of the really hard things, one of the biggest healings I did recently was in second grade, I showed up to school in my brownie uniform and I was the only one. It was a mistake. I wasn't supposed to wear it that day. And I was beside myself. I was crying, sobbing, like screaming, crying. I was so upset of about not having been accepted and like being rejected and people making fun of me. And I was sent to the principal's office. I got in trouble and I was like, wow, wouldn't it have been awesome if like there was a teacher or someone that would get down to my eye level and say, Amy, you look beautiful in your brownie uniform. I love it. Tell me about these patches. So what I did for myself is I walked back into that time and me as 41 year old Amy walked into the school and said, Hey, Amy, Hey, tell me about these patches. And we sat down by the lockers and we spent time together. And I, you know, we had a laugh and I said, may I have a hug? And we hugged and embraced. And now when I think back to that moment, that was a really, really hard trauma for me back then. Now, when I look back, I picture myself right now and I'm sitting against the lockers with Amy with her little beanie on her little brownie beanie on. And we're just talking about these amazing patches and the, and the, and the, and the, the, she's safe. And she's amazing. And I've got you, I've, I've got you. And I used to talk more fiercely and I now have such a love. I'm like, Hey, Aim, very gentle, fragile. Aim, you're okay. You're beautiful. You're amazing. You've done all this work and gained all these patches. You're amazing. And I've tried to go back in time and have those types of moments as they come up with those little, those, those Amy's through the years and said, okay, what does she need in this moment? What do you need? And then I provide that as her and Amy. And it's such an amazing healing. Oh, I love that. What a great story. Oh, I love it. I can totally imagine that too. So I love what you're saying about there's such a ferocity that I've had about what I've had to endure in the 41 years. And I'm now trying to make space to say, you're safe now. I've got you like you're in a, you're in a safe space. And I, it's just hard to, um, I, I, do you tell all the Sabrinas that they're safe or do you say like, look what I'm doing now? all the time safe. I talk to them every day. It sounds so weird when I talk about it, but I do. I talk to them all day, every day, and they get triggered sometimes like certain ones of them. They all have a different, they all have a different place in a house. So they're all in a house. They're all doing the thing that they love. So like my little five-year-old plays Barbies, you know, my little 17, 18 year old is always doing her makeup. Like they're all doing what I know that they would appreciate doing at that age in a, in a house, a very pretty Victorian home, actually. 
and uh, all their rooms are decorated differently. And yeah, I, I acknowledge them every single day. Certain ones of them I'm closer to than others. And uh, I talk to them, I bring them up. I speak to them before I go to bed sometimes where I tell some of them like, good job. We did great today. We did you know, an amazing job, great connection with this. I need to work on this. Sometimes I'll even sit down and say like, hey, you know, you need to not be triggered. Everything's fine now. Like I got this. You need to stop doing that. You know, it's not necessary for you to come out all raging like that anymore. You can calm down now. Like I now know tools and modalities to be able to calmly, you know, navigate my world and with communication skills that I now know. You don't have to come out all aggressive like that anymore. And so, you know, allowing those women who get, you know, triggered by certain things, certain tones, certain looks, certain, you know, of my past. So yeah, I'm constantly in communication. The cool thing about it is it cuts out on loneliness too, because I really do feel as if there's a real serious community. And I really do put myself in the, in a leadership, which I know a lot of people don't do this, but I put myself in a leadership versus team. I put myself in a leadership. And I think that that's what my girls need because there's so much drama, trauma in my past where I say, listen, I got you. I'm very much like, Hey, Hey, I got you. I'm fine. You don't have to act like that anymore. We're showing up with power and with leadership and with confidence, with self-esteem. Now we don't have to be playing those games anymore. So yeah, constantly checking in. I try to honor them when they come up because they do. And I have hundreds of ancestral women around me at all times as well. So I try to assess, okay, is this mine? right now. And then if it's not, I'll say, thank you so much for showing up. I appreciate you. I love you. And <laughs> we're going to move through this with grace and understanding as much as we can and try to tap into my highest self at current day to try to help ease yeah. the energy that is coming up. Yeah. I love that. So cool. I know. I love this. I love this whole conversation because something that's coming up for me right now is like, um, you're beautifully articulating something that I have seen in a um, different and same way, which is I also live and breathe this desire to an ability to bring people together from a community perspective. And I just believe community is so important for the reasons that you're articulating, right? Like, being able to hear somebody else, something in that statement, they may seem that it's just their story, but it activates something for you, right? And so you need that community, that reflection to be able to get those glimmers that help you do the one more time, do the one thing, right? That then starts this cascade of things that starts happening for and with you. But one of the things that I think about when I think about community is it's like concentric circles, right? You have kind of your most intimate communities. And the one that we forget about is ourselves. Mm. The middle of the concentric circles is the community within ourselves. And I love how you're bringing that into a place of all the years, right? All the us's that happened over that time. The other thing that I equate to that, and I'd love to hear you're just now we're kind of like going down a path, but I love this idea because. I have also always thought about it as you are not one thing. You are lots of things. Mm. I'm a mother, I'm a wife, I'm a 
I'm a daughter, I'm a sister, I'm a friend, I'm also a song, I think, uh, <laughs> somewhere along the way, but, um, right, like, I'm a dancer, I'm a gardener, I'm, like, all these things are all a part of me, and so much of our society right now forces or requires that we show up as one part of ourselves, and I truly believe that in order for us to make this big shift in society, we have to start showing up as our whole selves, which means, yeah, I made a kite over the weekend and it's the coolest kite. And yes, I'm going to talk about that at work because why? Because that's who I am. And that's why you've invited me here because I'm creative, inspired, fun, playful, right? Like we try to section these things off. So I love how you're bringing that. And the thing that then is like connecting for me is maybe, and maybe not, or maybe it's both. It's like, each of those carries for me, like there is one that was all the dancer, right? A moment in a year in my life where dancing was everything for me or a year in my life where the number one priority for me was all these things. And so those make all those elements of me sequentially as well as, you know, dimensionally, like in this moment. Right. And so that just feels really beautiful to me. So I just wanted to offer that out there and see how that resonated with you. Yeah, absolutely agree. I think that's absolutely uh, beautiful. And I love this concept of us's. I wrote that down. Us's. Yes. There was a bunch of us's and yeah, multidimensional a hundred percent. I talk about that, you know, often that there's, we're multifaceted. Um, yeah, I, I have a, a haiku that I did a few years back where I say, we're not two-dimensional, we're not three-dimensional, we're multi-dimensional. And uh, that is all the things. That is all the things. Yeah. All the things, right? I love that. And I think to your story and a lot of what you're sharing about each of them, right? You, there's moments where you need to tell them that I am the leader now because you've passed the torch to where I am now. And I thank you and honor you for what you have done to be able to be here. And now I can hold that and you don't have to feel that the same way. And so I really love that concept of being able to honor them, um, lead them, show up for them and, and also present that safety for them in this moment. And that's really beautiful. And that's what it really is, is the word show up. That's the, like what I carry with me is I'm showing up hundred percent. I'm showing up for them. And that's what they really lean on because that's what they need. You know, with what I've been through, they need to know that they can count on somebody and that somebody is here to protect them and to be here for them. And that's where I'm at right now. And it feels good. It feels really good where I'm at right now. And why there's shifts, right? There's pivots and there's shifts. And, but right now it feels amazing. It's really beautiful. I love that. Yeah. It's an ever growing and flowing and we all get the honor of aging another year and meeting another Sabrina, meeting another Amy, meeting another Carrie, right? And so we do the best that we can with what we have right now, honoring the past and knowing that more will evolve and change for each of us. And that's the amazing and scary part of it. <laughs> we don't know what's coming, but I love that you've, you've been able to kind of burn bright and be able to bring that out in others. Yeah, real fucking bright. Sabrina, one last question as we wrap up. We've all been in that place, the three of us specifically, we've been in that place where it's impossible seemingly to give one last try. What would you offer to anyone that couldn't imagine trying one more time? What would you kind of share? And 
especially when we're when we're this whole episode is about the human connection when there's someone in that place where they have felt so let down disappointed by humans mm. they don't want to go to a community they couldn't imagine being rejected one more time they couldn't imagine trying it's just all of these things to your point we were all three in that place where we could not see that other side so mm. how do we the three of us and all of those that are listening healers and those of us that are burning so bright and trying to be a beacon for others how do we help them get there faster without forcing right because it's not our timeline it's theirs and we see and know how much they're hurting and struggling how do we help <laughs> Great question. I have three things. And before I say these three things, I'm going to say this. I don't know anything. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know anything. I don't know what situation you're in. Those listening. And I don't know how hard it is, right? My story that I told as teary filled as it is, you might be rolling your eyes at me. You might be like, girl, for real, my story is 10 times worse than your story. And it might be, right? I always lead with my advice is worth exactly what you're paying for it. And in this case, you're paying nothing. So take what you like and leave the rest. Uh, first, yes, your story. Yes, your journey. Yes, sucky. And it doesn't mean anything. And that sounds like harsh, but it really doesn't. We decide, I have decided at certain points in my life for my story to mean certain things, right? There was a story where I was like, this means that nobody loves me. This means that God hates me. This means that I will be forever. This, we put meanings. And what's so interesting, and I can tell you now, right, looking down at my story, that my meanings have shifted. And what I thought meant something at one point in my life when I was 15 years old, and this guy that I had a crush on, and I was broken forever. Right. I'm sure anybody now looking back has a story like that when you were 15, 16, 17 years old, just devastating. And you can now look back and laugh. The story that you're going through right now, you could decide 10 years later if you wanted to look back and laugh. So it doesn't mean anything. Number two, you can do hard things you've done hard things your whole life. If you're listening now and you've, you're saying to yourself, very similar story as you, Sabrina, it's hard. I don't want to do it again. Or my story is way worse than yours and you don't even understand what I'm going through. And who are you anyways? Yes. And you can do hard things because you're still motherfucking alive. You're still alive. You're listening to this right now. You've gone through an entire journey. I recommend you to write a list of all of the hard things that you have done and review it 
over and over again and remind yourself of what a badass you are. Number three, and this is my mantra that I've carried with me since I was like 25 years old and I still say it to myself today. And it's super simple. Everything is going to be okay. With a very long pause afterwards, everything's going to be okay. Anyone that, that is close to me will tell you that I say this out loud all the time. Whenever the anxiety starts getting a little big, hey, everything's going to be okay. Everything's fine. What is the next step? What is the next action step? So breathe into that. Reassure yourself, your community of yous, of uses. Ah, everything's going to be okay. Allow yourself to sit in that and then create an action step towards a positive outcome, path, journey. It's not going to pivot all at once. It's not like you're just going to be like, everything's okay. And then all of a sudden there's work. There is work to get to where Amy is right now and where Carrie is right now, where I am right now. And we're still pivoting. We're still going through stuff. We still have heavy things that we're pivoting through, all of us. But now having the tools and the modalities, such as these three things, to be able to carry with us, to remind ourselves that we can carry on another day and we can start to pivot. I have cried so much this hour. <laughs> Ooh, you are lighting things up for me in a good way. Like this is like, wow. Ooh. A lot of, um, a lot of similar things, a lot of, um, Ooh. And it's an, it's an invitation for me to figure out what still hurts. Mm, absolutely. I love that. So I'm, I've been taking inventory this hour and you helped facilitate that. So thank you. 100. This is why Sabrina's the great, one of the great connectors of our time. Any closing remarks from any of us? We feel so honored to have had this conversation. So thank you so much for being with us today. It really has been an ultimate pleasure. And I look forward to hopefully continuing more of these conversations in the future. Yeah, 100. And I so appreciate you guys giving them space to be able to share parts of my story that I don't normally get to share. I don't always, yeah, I don't always get to, to dig into those things. A lot of times my story is just kind of more on the shallow which is fine, but it's nice to be able to dig in and to remind myself even of like, holy shit, we're motherfucking doing this, bitches. Yes. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, we really are. Carrie, you know, Carrie and I talk about this all the time. It's like, and I'll talk for myself right now. Like just a year ago, I was being abused in the workplace. Today, oh, today I'm having a beautiful fucking conversation with two of the most amazing women in my life right now. And I cried and released and and I was able to see what still hurts and uh, how gorgeous is that? And it, no amount of time, it, no matter how long ago this was, you know, Carrie for you, it was just a couple of years ago, Sabrina, it's, just, it's, you know, been a decade, but it's like, we feel it and we see it and we honor it. At least for me, I honor it now. If I could go back a year from now and just I would hug Amy and say, you, you just have a little bit longer. Mm. 
just a little bit longer and I've got you. I've got you. You'll be safe soon. Yeah. I would say what Sabrina said at the end. It's all going to be okay. It's all going to be okay. It's all going to be okay. I love that. Yeah. Because it really is. Yeah. 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 Gorgeous. Thank you both. Thank you.